Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining us. This is the first of a new thing we're going to do here on My Fantasy Fix. I'm James Adams along with Skeeter Robinson. And we're going to be breaking down the PGA Tour on a weekly basis. We'll be trying to do it here on Monday nights, getting it out either Monday night or Tuesday morning for you. And uh, basically what we're going to do is Skeeter's been doing an article on My Fantasy Fix for quite a while now doing golf. And we're just going to try and spice it up a little bit, do it with some audio. And uh, Skeeter, I want to First of all, welcome you in, and thanks a lot, buddy, for uh, asking me to join you. Well, no problem. I, I'm I'm really looking forward to this with you. Uh, enjoy your work on uh, the Insider Football Show. Which, by the way, what are you going to do on Saturday mornings now? Since you've basically gone six months of doing the show, now you get you know a vacation on Saturdays. I will be sleeping, um, potentially playing some golf once March hits. But uh, I also landscape for a living. So uh, as I sent the equipment off for the baseball guys yesterday, Skeeter, I. Just kind of looked into the heavens and said, "What's next? Uh, who knows, man? I'll be uh, I'll, I'll be relaxing. That is probably the the number one thing I'll be doing on every morning here for the next uh, I don't know two months." Nice. Well, <laughs> be careful about landscaping, at least around here. I mean, I'm in Central Illinois, so I know what usually I get. You get probably a day or two later. But this upcoming weekend, we're supposed. To, I've heard anything from six to twenty four inches of snow. So. Yeah, I, I, I haven't looked that far ahead, and I don't get into the snow plow. I just do uh, grass and then oh, take my take my winters and, and chill out. Because, you know, here, as I live in northern Kentucky, the Cincinnati area, it's uh, we don't we probably don't get nearly the snow you get. You know, because you probably, I'm guessing you all get some lake effect snow in that area. And, um, and uh, No, not not lake effect here. We're, I, I'm in Peoria with, with Waldo, and we're about two and a half hours southwest of Chicago, so we okay. avoid the Great Lakes. But, uh... Well, we still get enough from time to time as things cross the Mississippi River, but uh, yeah, we're probably a little further north than you guys are, I guess. Yeah, so I will be, uh, if it snows, I'll be taking my leaf blower, cleaning my driveway, uh, and then I'll be coming back inside. <laughs> smart, smart move. Well, that's what, I, that's what I do. So let's get into this tournament, Skeeter, and uh, I guess the first thing to talk about with this tournament um, is the change in venue, because we had the first two... I'll say calendar year events as we move from, uh, you know, the end of the start of the 1819 year, but it's the first two calendar year events that we had out in Hawaii. Now we're moving into California. Uh, this is a pretty interesting event too. It's not one, uh, if I'm not mistaken, it's not one where we're going to be on just one course. So, uh, talk about this, this tournament. It's uh, it's a little different. Yeah, it is. It's uh it's the desert classic, which used to be known as the career builder challenge and, for those of you who really remember, I think it used to be Bob Hope. Potentially, don't quote me on that, or he played in this a lot. But yeah, it's a it's a it's a weird event. It's a, it's a it's a pro am where for the first three days, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, every pro plays with an amateur partner. Now, I think the amateur partner is paid either something in the high four Ks, low five Ks to play. So, you know, it's quite an experience. These will be five six hour long rounds, but they rotate between three courses the first three days. The quote-unquote toughest of the course is TPC West, the stadium course. All these are in La Quinta, California. Last year, it was ranked 36 to 51 as far as hardness goes. Uh, people, The average score was 8 tenths of a stroke under par. This also will be where they play Sunday, where the top 70 and ties after Saturday, which is another weird thing. It's a 54-hole primary cut, not a 36-hole primary cut, so... After Saturday, the first, the uh, top 70 in ties will play Sunday. That will be at 
uh, the uh, stadium course at TPC West. So that's the main course. I'll play two rounds there, the ones that make the cut. The other two courses that are used are the Nicholas Tournament Course, which, by the way, was the second easiest course of the year, a minus two and a half strokes under par. It played as average last year. But yet the easiest course by a mile is La Quinta Country Club, which was the easiest course they played last year, minus or negative 3.1 strokes under. So I think it's a, I think they're all par 72. So the average score was like 68.9. So if your golfer's on La Quinta or Nicholas, you're hoping that they shoot about three or four under par. I mean, two under is probably okay, but you want them to go low there. They'll still go low on the stadium course, but it's a it's significantly harder but still not real hard by pga tour standards all courses are par 72s um what was i gonna say there's another point which i'm going which i'm blanking on right now but uh yeah so this is gonna be a birdie fest the cut which was what i was trying to remember tends to fall around six or seven under par so you sure. will want people to get birdies um if you're one who follows on the pga tour app the shot tracker it's only going to be happening at the stadium course at TPC West. So you will not see it for La Quinta. You will not see it for the Nicholas tournament course. So just keep that in mind. Stats are a little uh, screwy with this tournament just for that reason for the multiple courses. And there's only one shot tracker for three courses. Okay. So if we have a 54 hole cut, I know that particularly I like to play GPPs when it comes to really anything when it comes to DFS, but uh, you want six guys to make the cut as we're going to talk primarily about the DraftKings pricing here. You want six guys to make the cut. If you do that, there's a good chance you're at least going to get in the money in these GPPs. With a 54-hole cut, you've got 18 more holes to put up some points. If guys don't make the cut, they're obviously not going to be in those bonuses for where they finish. But is this a tournament where you can maybe take a few more chances with some uh, riskier players to also get in some more stable players at the top end that could, could you know, are, are more likely to even make the cut and also finish very well? given the fact that you're only going to miss 18 holes instead of missing 36 in a normal week on the cut. Yes, you're, you're dead on. Um, a really good 5-6 can hold off a mediocre 6-6, six six, usually for one day. It's usually in a normal tournament on Sunday, the last round where the 6-6s six will, even a mediocre ones will tend to overtake the uh, top 5-6 to six ones. So for, for when you're only missing 18 holes, yes, you will see some 5-6s beat out some 6-6s, six six especially, you know, of course, it all depends on, you know, if the chalky guys miss the cuts or whatever. But, yes, this is one where you might want to take some chances on guys who are inconsistent, the ones who are, like, top 25 or miss the cuts. Um, Siwoo Kim is a prime example of that. He's just as likely to win the tournament as he is to finish DFL. So, um, those are the guys you want to take just because the missed cut is not that great of a penalty. Okay, and before we start into the tiers, I have one more question for you about this one in particular. I know that we like to look at course history, um, you know, current form. Those are two things that we really like to look at. With tournament history, given the fact that we're going to be on three different courses to start before we get to Sunday, uh, playing that second course, the second, uh, the, the same course a second time, is that a stat that bears as much weight this week as it normally does? I think it does a little bit because, again, you have some – I mean – the courses itself, yeah, it's hard to figure out how they do. But I think the element here is the fact that they're with the same amateur partner for six hours a day, three days in a row. Typically, you probably want some more patient golfers. Of course, that being said, John Rahm's the defending champion. He's not exactly known for his uh, patience, or maybe he just throws some more temper tantrums or anything. 
But I think that does play a role into is how you deal with the uh, public. So, like, if, if Bubba Watson was playing this tournament, I that he would be a he'd be an absolute fade for me because he just doesn't seem like the most patient type. But um, yeah, I, I think you look at tournament history a little bit. Just kind of you know they're all Bermuda uh, putting surfaces. The fact that it's the format of the playing with the amateur partner, I think that all that goes in. Like, I think it's certainly a factor. For me, current form, this is really tough because there's a mm-hmm. like there's a couple golfers who we, we haven't seen since September in the FedEx Cup playoffs or a couple who only played one event in the fall swing. So, you know, I, I can see some of the guys who played last week and potentially even the tournament champions being a little more popular because we've at least seen a little bit more recent form. But I also don't mind some of the guys who played, you know, five, four, five, six tournaments in the fall swing. Just as an idea, you know, probably, I'm probably, you know, when I'm looking at stats, I use Fantasy National. I'm still looking at all rounds from last season and even the start of this season. I probably won't start getting into recent form until maybe Phoenix in a couple weeks. By then, I think most people have played two or three tournaments. Then we can start kind of seeing what short-term trends have occurred. I will look forward to watching that one as well. I assume you're talking about the Waste Management Open. Oh, yes, especially for the 16th hole where they, you know... I think they open the gates at 6 a.m. and it's a sprint to the 16th hole to get your spot and all the souvenirs they get, all the drinking and all the booing when somebody misses the green. We will have a keg on tap for that one, but let's get into this week's tournament. Uh, And I think in the top tier, there's only five guys. So I think it bears talking about each of them individually. And uh, you mentioned Rom. He's the defending champion. He's obviously playing in really good form as of late. And that being, last week and then going into back to last week so or last season so how much the form matters i don't know but he's a top quality golfer and you know obviously uh as as we said he's he's the defending champ as well yeah i i kind of wonder where he's going to fall ownership wise being 11-6 since there's a big name right underneath who's i think number one in the world so yes so that'll so i can see you know people tend to like to avoid defending champions I mean, Rom fits perfectly fine here. If he's going to come in, say, sub-10% owned, I'm probably going to have some interest come Wednesday night. But my initial builds, I just don't see the need to go here. Yes, he was 8th of the tournament champions. He won the Hero, which is an 18-person field events, which I'm not sure I'm going to take a whole lot of stock into. So I think he's fine. I just I worry about the price. And I think, as I said, Justin Rose at 11000 to me is much more attractive. I have Rose in a lineup. I've put three together so far. Rose, I mean, this is a guy you got to feel very confident about making the cut. Um, I don't see any tournament history here for him. But as we know, I mean, world golfer number one, that speaks awful lot to putting him into a lineup. Yeah, and when I look at my, you know, when I look at the stats, he's number one in DraftKings points, second in birdies or better. Uh, um, 19th in opportunities game, which is a stat that they make up where you know, how well do you do when you have a putt from 15 feet or less at any time on approach? So he, he he rates well in all the stat models. He'll be popular. The fact he's 600 cheaper than Rom, the number one player in the world, he rarely burns people. I think he misses like one cut or two a year, but not much. So for me, Justin Rose 11,000 is the, is the easy play here. I, game theory, I think you can go Rom and some of the other guys in the 10K range, but I just don't see the need to this week. I'm... I'm probably sticking with Rose unless he's getting way out of control with ownership on Wednesday night. Yeah, Rose, an absolute stud. The next guy is Patrick Cantley. He's at 10,600. He hasn't played yet in this this since uh, the 29th of November, the Hero World Challenge. That makes it hard for me to 
embrace him, but it also would make me think it's an easy guy to put in because other people won't. Is that good, bad, or indifferent? Um, well, he was on fire towards the end of the season. I'm intrigued because DFS players love Patrick Cantlay. I mean, he's t he tends to be 20% owned almost every week. The fact that he's only 400 cheaper than Justin Rose is going to be a real test to see how much people love playing him. I still think he'll be owned. I don't think he'll be the lowest owned in this range by any stretch of the imagination. The form's good. Ball striking's good. Stats, I mean, he fits statistically. Uh, top, you know, let's see, third in T to green, sixth in approach, sixth in DraftKings points, 11th in birdies or better. Everything fits. Uh, just, you know, will people take the $400 discount from Justin Rose to Cantlay? And that's what I'm really intrigued to see. Skeeter, the next guy is very intriguing to me. I've also got him in a lineup. That's Charles Howie. He's at 10300 He has made the cut in this event, I think, seven consecutive years, and he's made the cut. Uh, I'm sorry, made a top 20 in the last three years. He also played really well in the Sony, finishing 15 under. Yeah, um, what's funny is Charles Howell's from Augusta, Georgia, that area, but yet he loves playing on the West Coast. Basically, Chuck, Chucky Three Sticks is his nickname, or at least the DFS world has adopted that nickname for him. He plays, he plays really well on the West Coast, Hawaii and California and Arizona, so... And the fact that he, I mean, he's such a likable guy, got his first win in like 10 years back in the fall swing at the RSM. So everything is just kind of lined up for him. Again, I just wonder at some point, will people stop paying 10-3 for him, especially with Rose? Again, only 700 higher, but he's so popular, has that re reputation of playing so well over on the West Coast. Uh, first, you know, doesn't make a lot of bogeys. I worry about how much he can score at this event, but... Again, if you wanted to start your lineup with Charles Howell, especially cash games, I don't think I have a problem with it. And the last guy in this 10,000 and above tier, Adam Hadwin, the Canadian, is directly at 10,000. How about this? I mean, the guy has made the cut in the four times he's played it. He has been top six in the last three events. The minus five at the Sony Open really wasn't that impressive. I mean, that's, you know, tied 57. I'm not saying that's bad, but that's not something you want out of a 10,000 or above player. But the course history or the tournament history is pretty strong. Where do you feel about him? Yeah, the, I mean, when I first looked at it, I was like, why is Adam Hadwin 10,000? Then I looked at the tournament history in three top tens, and he quickly figured out, well, that's probably why. Um, I remember a couple of years ago, he shot 59 at La Quinta on a Saturday. So, you know, when you have three straight top six finishes – I expect him to be popular because now we're getting to the point, even though he's only a thousand less than Rose, that you know there are people who love the tournament history, and I don't mind him, but ten thousand for him seems really high. I know I know everything seems to fit. He likes this tournament, but for me again, I it, it's a pass. I get it, but I'm just not going there. So in the ten thousand or above tier, it sounds to me like Justin Rose is probably the safest play. Um, Charles Howe, uh, I'm sorry, Chucky, three sticks, uh, a guy who I think I'll take a peek at as well. Does that sound like a good breakdown of that tier? Yeah, so Rose is my favorite play. If you had to play one, are you playing Rose or Howell? It depends, I mean, and where I'm trying to get that salary because at first I tried to set a lineup where I had three, four guys in the 8,000 tier, and then I put Rom in my lineup, and I didn't even have enough money to fit a six golfer. So I dropped it down to Rose. And then it just depends on where we're at and who you like. I mean, there's a few $6,000 guys we'll get to or that I I, I I can't say I like that I'm willing to take a risk Ooh. with. Ooh, 
Ooh, and so with those guys, I'll play Rose. But, you know, I'm going to probably have both if I'm being completely honest. So I'm not really going to pick. Okay. That's fair. Well, I can't, <laughs> wait. I can't wait to hear some of these 6K golfers because I didn't see they're, much in that range. So they are names I like. That doesn't mean there's good golfers. One of them's from Cincinnati area, too. So hey, you, know what? you can already. In the 6K range, if they make a cut, that's, I mean, hey, job well oh, yeah. done. So that's a pay. Yeah, that's, that's a pay right. for you. I mean, at least it sets up well. So. Let's go to the 9,000 range. Not a lot of golfers in this range either. Um, we'll start with Putnam. Uh, he's a guy who, uh, more than anything, by dumb luck, I had in a lineup last week. It worked <laughs> out very well. Uh, he jumped, I want to say, over $2,000 in price after finishing second last week. Um, I, I wonder how much the the recency bias will put him as one of the top plays this week. Um, Potentially... <laughs> Like, the first thing I look at is Andrew Putnam, 9,700. Uh, no thank you, but he's been playing so well. I mean, he won last year, and then he's come back. He was he was in the 6K range at the Tournament of Champions. I think he had, he had a decent first day, kind of started on the second day. But, but you look at that, fourth of the World Golf Championship back in the fall, 29th of the CJ Cup, um, second last week. Yeah, I could see him potentially getting some ownership, but again... I think I, I think he'll be very low owned just because of that price, and there's a big name right underneath him. I think will draw casual players' attentions. Yeah, and, and to that name, Phil Mickelson. I mean, here's a guy who's done well out here before, but he's way past his prime. He's probably the biggest name in the field. He does well on the West Coast, where he is from. But it, it I don't know. For me, it's hard to get Phil Mickelson in this lineup, just knowing that you know. He's just not the Phil Mickelson he used to be. No, but here's why I'm intrigued by Phil. Uh, there's a few reasons. Number one, since this is Bermuda for the uh, Greens, I, I took a look back and see how have these guys putted on Bermuda in the past. If I go over the last 50 rounds, Phil Mickelson is number one in in putting on in strokes gained putting on Bermuda. So he's clearly comfortable on the West Coast. Plus, we mentioned mm-hmm. we mentioned how in this tournament missing a cut isn't necessarily the worst thing. And in fantasy golf, too, you would rather have a birdie bogey than two pars. Mm-hmm. Phil Mickelson's very capable of throwing, like, three birdies in a row and then hitting a double bogey, which, you know, that's just Phil being Phil because he'll probably hit a drive out of bounds or in the penalty area, as they call it now. But, um, but again, in that, you don't necessarily mind. You want guys who can score, and Phil Mickelson's always a scorer. So, for, for that reason, again, first and birdies are better, second draft kings points. Seventh and bogey's avoided, which is kind of a weird one. I didn't think he mm-hmm. had even fifteenth in approach. Yes, you're right. He's not the same guy, but at a an event where the pin placements aren't going to be real hard because they want the amateurs to enjoy their time. He's on the West Coast. He's a, he's from San Diego. Everything kind of seems to fit here at ninety five hundred. I just worry that because he's the most well known name in this range that he's going to go highly owned. You make a really good point there that I wasn't thinking about, but with the amateurs and trying to probably keep them from four putting a lot of greens pin placements won't be as bad does that take away uh guys who putt really well and and favor you know and have favorable stats in the in the strokes game putting well potentially it mitigates putting a little bit uh putting tends to be the most variance thing in golf it's kind of like you know the touchdowns Mm -hmm. in football or okay great you can get to the one yard line and then oh sorry it's not your touchdown same thing with golf um you know, putting tends to be the one that kind of moves back and forth a little bit. But, you know, for whatever reason, some people, some golfers have a certain preferred, preferred surface. 
On these greens, yeah, it will mitigate the putting a little bit. This isn't, you know, Augusta National where the greens are going to run 14 on a set meter. <laughs> they should be running like 10 or 11. Pin placements won't be real tricky. So it mitigates the putting a little bit, but still, I mean, the better putter you are, then more likely you make it 20-footer than you are, you know, somebody who isn't as good. So yeah, it is mitigated, but I'm willing to take a chance just when I see somebody who has a lot of success on these types of greens. Yeah, and you make a good point, too, that it can come and go because, I mean, if there's anything I can relate to when it comes to the, the guys on the PGA is putting some days, I mean, you feel like you can make everything, and some days it's like the hole is the size of the ball and no bigger. And uh, that's probably – I'm probably not relating to those pro golfers as much as I'd like to believe in that regard. But, I mean, it's something that you can just be great at one week and the next week it's gone, man. Right. So let's go – um, a, a couple of guys at the bottom of the tier, and I'll let you break down the rest of the tier if I'm missing anybody, but uh, Chez Reeve is a name that looks pretty decent, especially when you look at a 17-under tied third uh, last week, and then I believe some pretty pretty decent history here at the, at the tournament as well. Um, not top 10s, but a couple of top 20s, and a top, and he finished 36 last year. Yeah, and he's one that seemingly last year on the west coast played really well in fact um, my my best week last year was at phoenix and he was the one who i had i would have won a little more if he would have beaten woodland in the playoff but he seems to have a little trend where he's played as well on the west coast he's kind of resurrected his career a little bit he used to be kind of one of these guys that you know he'd make a cut but maybe a couple top 25s a year but didn't do much he's all of a sudden starting to contend and one of these days he's gonna win i it maybe it's this week i mean he was he was really good last week tied for third if I played him over Chris Kirk on my DraftKings lineup, I would have done really well. Again, it's the price. Can we pay 9200 for Chez Reavy? I don't know, but I certainly get I think he's a fine play. He's probably a, he, he might be the best cash game play in this tier just because he's in that low 9K range and he's pretty consistent. I also have a, a lineup where Scott Piercy gets in for me. Um, I'm not going to say I'm overwhelmed with his recent form. The last two weeks he did play. I think that means a little bit to me, the fact that he's made two cuts in a row, even though he finished minus six, minus eight, a 19th in a small field, 33rd last week. But he also finished sixth at this tournament last year. Uh, I feel safe playing him to make the cuts. I don't know if I feel like he's a guy who's going to go out and win this event, though. No. Uh, one th one thing is Scott Piercy, and, you better, and you're probably glad that there's only one one course of shot tracker. He, he, Tita Green, he's top ten. He's second in approach, seventh Tita Green. He is a bad putter. Like, you know, he's one that maybe gets mitigated a little bit because these pins should be in easier places. But, you know, just because you see a seven foot from Scott Piercy doesn't mean he'll make it. If he if he's <laughs> if he's average in the field putting, he'll probably be top ten. But that's the big concern is will he be top will he be average field putting? Just like uh, the guy right below him, Luke List, who's Mr. Statistical Superstar. Again, he's another one. Really good tee to green, ranks first. Likes to score, fifth and DK points, six birdies or better. Another notoriously bad putter. So he's another one. If you know List is due for a win, if he can putt average, he'll be on. He'll be in contention come Sunday. We didn't hit Wiser answer. Uh, anything for those those uh, those two players? I looked at him. I don't. I don't mind him. Answer's been playing really well. I think he won a tournament down in Australia. The, I think it was the Australian PGA back at the end of November. Wise, Wise is a little inconsistent for me. Like, you know, he certainly could score. He's fourth in birdies or better, fourth in DraftKings points. 
he's he's a GPP only, and he should be very underowned. I think Answer will be more popular than Wise. Let's uh, now go to the eight thousand tier, and it's interesting when you when you set a lineup here, your average price per player is eighty three hundred three hundred thirty eighty three 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 eight thousand three hundred thirty three. Almost, what, 90, not 90, but about 80% of the players are going to be under that number or just around it. And this is the tier where you get into right at that medium number where you could possibly play six guys from this tier and have guys that have, I would say, plenty of security and upside, but they're not necessarily the big bangers on the PGA Tour. Um, The first guy I look at in this tier, you go to 8,700, it's Patton Kazire and I mean, 13 under the last two weeks. I feel very comfortable putting him in a lineup because he's played two weeks in a row. Hopefully he's not getting fatigued. But at the same time, an eighth in a small field, but then tied 13th last week. I, I, those are two things that make me feel like I'm putting him in uh, my lineups. And he's, he's really one of the core players I've made of only three lineups that I've set so far, three different ones. Yeah, so Kazire had a real interesting season last season. He won in a fall swing. He came back and won the Sony Open. And then he kind of went on a downfall where he just, you know, he kind of lost his game a little bit. Um, Just wasn't making cuts, was missing badly. You know, I kept I kept trying to figure out time. It's when he was going to hit. And it, it took until the fall swing to hit. Like, he made the Tour Championship just because he had the two wins. He barely made it. So, you know, usually if you have two wins in a season, you're easily in the uh, – Tour Championship, he struggled to get there, but he's found his form again, and 12th in approach, 20th in bogey avoidance, um, very, pretty solid as of late, so I don't mind Patton Kazire 8,700. Not great tournament history, he made the cut the last three years, but 42nd, the highest he finished, so not necessarily a great indicator for him, but um, again, he's a guy I, just, I felt like I was comfortable with. Uh, the next guy in this tier is actually the next guy in this tier, and that's Lucas Glover at 8,600, who I was looking at as well. Um, Hasn't played yet this year, so that's a little bit troubling for me, but I am a fan of his game. He rounded out the end of last season really well, three consecutive tournaments where he was under 10 under. And uh, so he's a guy that I feel, again, comfortable putting in. Not sure that I feel like he's going to win it, but he's made the cut here the last four years. His best rounds, his best performances – were three and four years ago, but he did make the cut the last two years as well. Yeah, he he's going to fit the um, Scott Piercy, Luke List mode of not very good putters. So, again, if you're watching him on Sunday or whatever day he ends up at the uh, tournament course, uh, you know, those eight-footers could be an interesting experiment with Lucas Glover. But, yeah, he was a guy that didn't pop for me originally in the stats, and I wasn't even considering him. And then, uh, then I saw a tweet about, you know, how his price had risen, but he he was in really good form. And when I looked at everything, I was like, oh, you know, even his recent tournaments, his putting has actually kind of been average or slightly above average. And with that, I think he's got top 20 potential. Again, I think he's a nice second or third option, depending on how you decide to build in cash games. You know, I think he's fairly consistent to make the cut. 22nd tee to green. I worry about can he score, you know, tw- you know, can he get to 20 under and potentially win this thing? That I don't know. But in cash games, I don't mind him. Hudson Swafford, 8,300. <laughs> he finishes third last week. A lot of these guys who finished third last week, I keep finding myself looking at. Um, but, you know, a- another name that I'm interested in, again, I'm not a guy I feel like I'm, I'm 
picking the winner here, but also another player that I do feel comfortable with. He won this tournament two years ago, but outside of that, he missed a cut four years ago, top 29 or 29th and a 56 sandwiched around that first. So, you know, the first is awesome two years ago, but is it something I can really count on repeating? I don't know. Yeah, he, he was one. He was kind of like what happened to um, Patton Kazire. He won and then kind of went through some struggles. He, you know, he kind of struggled a lot last year. Not a lot of top tens. In fact, I don't even think he had a top ten last year. No, no. So the third, the Sony is the first one he's had in a couple of years since, yeah, since he, oh no, he was sixth at the shell last year. Sorry. So yeah, he's one who's starting. So, but that's almost a year ago. That's a, that's a masters pre-tournament. So not a, it's not like that happened. I'm you know, sorry, that's, that was that's two... hard to put in recent form, right? Right. No, I'm sorry. That was two years ago. I keep okay. forgetting this 2019. I got to get my years, uh, years situated here, new year. But no, the key thing with him too, last week, he gained six strokes on approach. He's another one like Kazire who we've kind of been waiting for his game to start coming around, and there were signs of it in a fall swing, a couple top 30s, and then the third last week. So, yeah, I don't mind him, especially as a defending champ here. Has had some success through four. Again, I don't know if he's going to win, but I don't, I don't, I don't. He's he's on my list of ones I'm considering in the 8K range. The last guy in the 8K range that I had uh, in a couple different lineups was Ryan Palmer, $8,200. So he's under. The middle ground for uh, for your your average salary per player, and a very interesting tournament history. Last year, twentieth. The year before, he missed the cut. Then seventeen, ten, two, and six, and a missed cut. Uh, a lot of good golf there, and he's in good form at the end of last year, but hasn't played a tournament in quite some time. Right. Uh, he did play a couple in the fall swing. He was a third in the CJ Cup and seventh in the Shriner. So. He ended the year in pretty good form in a couple of top tens. Mm-hmm. You're right. Good course history. He's not a cash game play by any means. He's one that would be tournament only because he's also likely just to completely blow up and miss the cut by many strokes. But so he's a tournament play for me. For me, instead of that, I'm, you know, one guy who kind of the trendy uh, web.com graduate because he, he was the money leader on the web.com tour E100 Sungjm, this guy is all you know. I mentioned Siwoo Kim earlier as a guy that's probably either likely to win or finish DFL. Uh, Sungjm is either going to top five or he's going to miss the cut in glorious fashion. He just <laughs> has that type of uh, thing on him. Really good off the tee, decent putter. Sometimes struggles with approach, but E100. I think he's going to get a win at some point. I, I don't know if this is the time. Uh, you know, I could see maybe the summertime, maybe like, maybe like a John Deere Classic, which is my local tournament. He could be contending in, but 8,100, I think he's got upside for a top 10, which I won't turn down at that price. Yeah, and last week he played really well, too. Tied for 16th, and he put up 94 points. So um, certainly a player you look at. Any other guys in this 8,000 range that we didn't cover that you uh, you feel like we need to take a look at? Um, The one who I'm kind of going to be curious to see what his ownership is is C.T. Pan at 8,400. He ended the year last year playing pretty well, and he became – he started becoming a popular play among DFSers. Uh, pretty solid stats here. 15th tee to green, 19th birdies are better, 14th DraftKings points. So he's going to be one of those statistical guys at, at a fairly decent price that people have played before and have had some success. I don't see myself on him yet. Um, I think I prefer Sung J.M. for a few hundred, for 300 less, or even uh, Lucas Glover for a couple hundred more. But I think C.T. Pan will get some attention. But for me in this 8K range, I'm going to say Sung J.M.'s my favorite play. 
Uh, what about you? Well, I mean, I had those four that I kind of built around uh, Kazire, Glover, Swafford, and Palmer. Um, but again, you do a lot more research on the DFS golf than I do. So that's why I'm deferring to you. I mean, I look at Bo Hostler and I think, oh, I remember he when he was the young up-and-comer. He oh. played well in a, uh, in, a, in a tournament out on the West Coast. I think the U.S. Open was out on the West Coast several years ago, but um that's just because i know his name i'm certainly not planning on playing was that the one at washington um i can't think of the name of it right now the one where uh speed he was still a minor uh uh, an amateur i think yeah really good putter um he's what he lost to he lost to uh, ian poulter in a playoff at houston last year nearly got in the masters so yeah he's he's one there's a win coming at some point for him too let's take a look at the next tier and as we had just a handful of guys in each of the first three tiers. Now, uh, my, my printout of the uh, pricing has a page and a half of these guys. So <laughs> definitely not going to go through all the names, but uh, some names that you take a look at and you see, well, there's a lot of major winners in this group. Schwartzel, Willett, uh, Zach Johnson's in there. Jason Duffner's in there. Any of these old major winners that you look at in this group i think that's all of them uh that i look at in here from that have major champions any of those guys that you feel like might regain some form i'm pretty sure duffner also a uh, a past champion at this tournament but not recently he is i looked at duffner because he he was another one who struggled last year and his he's starting to gain some form i'm not ready to go there yet like i'm gonna give him a little bit more time before i start playing him uh, the one guy who I, I just do not get how, why he's 7,700 in this field, he missed a cut by a stroke last week at the Sony, is Zach Johnson. Uh, he was under par missing that cut, too, by the way. One under, yeah. Cut was yeah. minus two, and he, he missed it by one. When you look at him, again, he's not. I mean, he's one that maybe is slightly better on tougher courses, but when I look at, you know, again, a, a tournament like the RSM, which he likes, that's a, that tends to be a lower-scoring course. John Deere, certainly that. When you look at this course history, tournament history, it's kind of weird. You see a couple top 10s, a couple top 25s, three missed cuts. But as far as being the stat model, everything pops, um, you know, he's top 10 in everything I'm looking at except birdies are better, and he's 16th there. In this field, I mean, when I'm seeing, you know, J.J. Spawn at 8,500, Ryan Palmer, even though he makes sense, Bull Hostler, like there's no reason Zach Johnson should be 7,700 in this field. And, and I have a feeling he'll probably get really popular, but I'm not sure I really care. The talent is greater than the price in this field. Give me some Zach Johnson all day long. What about the guy who is right below him? A very interesting one. Daniel Berger was injured, hasn't played for a while. This is first tournament back. I would imagine your casual player, and I mean even myself included, taking a look at the pricing and seeing dashes under top tens and fantasy points per game, zero of zero cuts made. That, to me, says, why would I play this guy? Let's just move on by. Is there a value to be found there? I mean, I, I personally am still going to say I want to see him play first. Yeah, that, and that's the same approach I'm taking. He didn't have the best year last year. He hasn't played since the FedEx Cup playoffs. So, again, it's kind of hard to figure out where his game is, especially when there's some decent names in this range. I looked at him. I kind of want to play him, but for the reason that, again, we haven't seen him since, since September – I kind of want to take a wait-and-see approach on him, and there's enough alternative options around this range that I don't feel like I have to force him into my lineups. Richie Wierenski. I'll be honest with you. I I can't say that I really have even seen this guy play yet, but his last three tournaments, granted, they were in November. 
all three were 12, 19, and 13 under. He's done well in this tournament two years ago, and he made the cut last year as well. Uh, it was a ninth two years ago, 29th last year, 7,600. I mean, if you're trying to get some higher price guys in there, he's got to be a consideration. Not for me, but I'll tell you what, if you like him, <laughs> no, nobody is going to own Richie Wawrinski. But as you said, he does. I mean, he's, he finished last year with third and 15th. He has a capability to shoot really low. Um, not always the most consistent cut maker, but again, in a tournament like this, is not terrible. For me, I think he's just going to get completely lost among some of these other names. I'm not on him. My favorite guy in the $7,600, and I'm a truther on this guy, like he's going to win, Formal, former world number one amateur Joaquin Neiman. Um, fir- first in opportunities gained, which again is the birdie putts from 15 feet or less. Second in approach, fourth tee to green, eighth in birdies or better, ninth in DraftKings points. You know, he, he did kind of struggle a little bit towards the end of last year and even into the fall swing, but the talent is there. I think he's going to win at some point, and it's going to be some point soon. I will probably play him every week that he's in a field because I just I, I'm a believer in him. 7,600 might be the cheapest we see on him all year. What about uh... – well, first of all, I, I love my guy, Charlie Hoffman, but I can't say that I'm on him this week. Uh, I need to see him get back in form. He's right there in this price range. I wouldn't be surprised if I end up throwing a dart with him in one lineup. Uh, he strikes me as the kind of guy who would fit well in this tournament because he's a really mild-mannered dude. I mean, if you remember, he had the long hair forever. He's oh, so yeah. laid back that hanging out with some amateurs, he probably would enjoy it. I think more than most of the field. I could be wrong about that. That's that's actually a good narrative. Um, I you know, I did. Think I just of, love the guy, man. Oh yeah, I and mean, he's a former winner here. He's got three top tens. He's also three missed cuts the past seven years here. So, no, certainly, I, you're right. He does have that kind of California vibe about him. You know, I, that makes sense. Again, I'm not playing him, but everything you say does. You know, he's the one guy like every week. I'm like, okay, I'm not playing him, but if there's anybody that's going to you know, win this tournament that I don't have. He's certainly on the list. He is a guy who I have cashed with before the year. He had a really good run at the Masters, and oh. I've always loved him. He's actually come in a tournament where they come to the tee box with music playing. He came to the tee box to California Love, the uh, Tupac uh, Dr. Dre song. So yes. uh, I love. I just love this guy. Um, <laughs> I don't know how much you know about European golf. Do you know who Miguel Angel Jimenez is? Yeah, isn't he the most interesting man in the world? Yes, like, what do you see of Charlie Hoffman hanging out with him? Like, those two were having a good old time. Having a cigar and some wine and stretching awkwardly on the tee box? Absolutely. I, I think Miguel Angel would prefer some find the core, personally, but, uh... That's just... I've, 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 seen him, I've seen him drinking wine on, uh, on television, so I just assume that. But, yeah, I could see him probably getting after uh, a, a little bit of anything. <laughs> I love Miguel Angel. I love... He's a he is a, he is a he's the most interesting golfer in the world for a reason, right? Yes, I I, w- I wish he was you know a little bit younger so he'd be fifteen years younger. Yes. Another guy I look at in this tier, Anurban Lahiri. Uh, you know, I remember uh, when he first came on the scene coming out of India. There was a lot of hype around him. He finished seventh last week. Or I'm sorry, seven under, tied for forty third. You know, he's a, he's a decent player. Is that a guy you would put in your lineup at all? tournaments only he is one who will score a ton at times he's also one who could again end up at three over par at this tournament and completely be out of it um if you if you like to do first round leaders he's usually a typically good first first round leader bet because he has some he's fired some pretty good first rounds before 
I'm not going to be on him here. Recent form's not that great. He doesn't doesn't fit statistically for me. But I get it. If you want a, if you want a low owned guy who could score, he he will fit that mold. And again, he'll probably he he won't be unowned. He'll probably be somewhere three to five percent owned. But yeah, I, I I I'm not on him. But I certainly get the play. I I read a nice article out of uh, one of the golf magazines several years ago, and now every time I see his name, I'm like. Oh, I remember they said he's going to win a major someday. Here, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to take a look at him. But uh, yeah, I, I don't have him in any lineups. I actually do have the guy right below him. It's also at 7,300 in a lineup. Ryan Gay. He's won this tournament before, but that is not recent. He's missed three cuts since he won that tournament. Finished 42nd last year. So recently, he's not dominating in this tournament. But he finished 10 under last week too. So um, you know his recent form. If you go back to November has been pretty good as well, and at 7,300, he's a guy I do have in lineups. Okay, so Brian Gay, if you're playing him, he is like one of the best putters on tour. Last week, he finished 22nd. This is pretty amazing. He lost 5.8 strokes on approach. He gained 11 putting. That's amazing. Like, I mean, he's a really good putter, but even for Brian Gay, gaining 11 strokes putting, I mean... You know, that's just that's a warning sign to me when I see the approach being that bad. Because, mm-hmm. you know, the putting can be variable, even if it is for a good putter. For me, I look at him, I, I just, when I see that negative five, 5.8 on approach, that's a warning sign to me that I will pass. But if he puts lights out again, he'll, he can threaten the top 25. Well, what about a guy who I'm going to go down to 7,100? And this is the last name in this tier that I'm looking at playing and that's Ryan Armour. And, uh, the reason I'm liking him, well, 10 under last week, he was 13 under in his last two tournaments in November. Again, at 7,100, that's a pretty good price. And the, the course history, again, I believe he is also a, uh, a, a past champion. I'm scrolling through here. Um, not a, not a past champion. No, he is not, but he's had some good, uh, good success here as I'm looking for it. But he missed the cut last year, 66th. Um, no, so he made the cut two years ago, but missed it last year. I think you're getting your lines uh, mixed up. I probably am, yes. No, but his form, again, he hasn't missed a cut since the PGA Championship. Uh, a few top 25s in there. He's one on my list, too, just due to, re- due to his recent form, played well last week. Again, maybe a little concerning. He did gain four and a half strokes putting, didn't do much on approach. But I, I, I don't mind it. Um, he's, you know, I can see myself going here. Uh, a couple guys that I have... One is Danny Willett, and I think, you know, this will be an interesting okay. case because he has he he went through, like, some big struggles since he won the Masters. But he's mm-hmm. starting to find some form. Uh, he, he has a top – he was seventh at uh, the Turkish Open on the Euro Tour. He won the, the Race to Dubai Championship in Dubai. I mean, so he's starting to play better. He's a tournament option. Like, he's a guy legitimately at this price at 7800 who could win the tournament. And I don't know if many people will be on him because there's, you know, he plays over in Europe a lot. The ones who do kind of remember him, kind of remember him struggling. So I think he's a really intriguing tournament play. Again, I don't know if I'm going to end up on him, but he's definitely in consideration for me. Uh, Chesson Hadley, 7,600, tends to be another mm-hmm. one who um, played really, really well on the West Coast last year. He fits a lot of stat models, first in approach, fifth in birdies are better, 10th tee to green. So he's one I'm looking at. Uh, 
I don't know why I always end up on this guy. Corey Connors was top 10 last week. He was actually a pretty good story. He wasn't even scheduled to play. He went through the the uh, qualification, the qualification, like the Monday qualifier, finished top mm-hmm. four, got in the tournament, and turned around and turned into a top 10. He's like the prototypical guy I want to play, and we've mentioned a few other names. He's either going to finish top 25 or he's going to miss the cut. At a tournament like this where you're guaranteed three rounds and he will score, he's fifth in birdies, or no, that's, uh, he's sixth in opportunities gained, seventh tee to green. He's exactly the golfer I want, so he fits kind of the mold of some others. Um, Bill Haas hasn't been in great form, but he lo- but he's played really well this tournament in the past. I can take a flyer on him. Uh, Bud Cauley, I really want to play, but he's still, I think, recovering from that wreck he was in last year. And my last guy, we were talking about laid-back guys. He, this guy's a little more feistier than uh, Char- Charlie Hoffman, but uh, I love Pat Perez. I, 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 I do, too. I think he's hilarious. You know, he has, he has a little bit of cynicism about him, and he's not afraid to shoot back. But, he, he again, a California guy. I think he's – I don't know if he's won here before. Uh, yeah, he did 2009. He just—he's laid back. I think he'd be—he'd be great if I drew him as a partner in this tournament. Pretty laid back, seventy-three hundred. I don't mind him in California. If I'm not mistaken, I was looking. Pat Perez is still in the top fifty world golf ranking too. So really, uh, I uh, don't quote me on that. I'll have to go back and look now because I've looked at about fourteen different charts today. <laughs> he is, a, uh, but he is sixty-eighth. So he's close. Sixty-eighth. Okay. Not well, top fifty, but a... top seventy. <laughs> that's making the cut. That's higher than I thought he would be because he didn't do much last year. But again, I could watch. I, you know, I, he's one guy they need to mic up for these for these events. He'd be hilarious. Especially this one would make sense. This one, the Waste Management Classic, where you know the tournaments are not quite as serious, more about fun. They would, they they could do well to mic some guys up just because it didn't work in Phil versus Tiger all that well. No, they, they could probably try it. You know who they need to mic up at Phoenix is Ricky because Ricky loves that 16th hole. He he, I think he's the one who embraces it the most. I well, first of all, um, most of my favorite golfers are a little bit off of the uh, main path. Ricky Fowler is one of my favorite golfers. I do definitely have a flat build Puma hat. I'm not going to lie to you. So I would greatly enjoy that. Uh, sometimes I feel like I'm a weird old man because I'm 41. I'm too old to be a Ricky Fowler fan, but I am. <laughs> no, that's all right. So he just needs to. <laughs> he, he needs to get a win. Like he he's like he needs next... to win a major, man. That yeah. that, that championship. Uh, the TPC he wanted at Sawgrass is great, but he needs enough of that fifth major. He needs to get a, the, a one of the big four. Yes, he does. Let's. Uh, so, anybody else in the seven thousand range, or, or are you ready to get into some of these obscure names in the bottom tier, the last tier, six thousand and up? Let's go. You say you have a few names here. I'm intrigued because I don't see much here. I have a couple names highlighted, but I'm not. I'm not convinced to play any of them. So let, let's hear it. From you. I will tell you that, that I have two names that I legitimately think are good plays, and then the other guys who I just like, and at a $3 lineup, if I was able to cheer for them on Sunday, I would enjoy it. But names that I kind of like, uh, and, and again, these are these are all dart throws because they're well under the mean price here. But uh, uh, Scott Langley, he made the cut last week. He finished tied 43, uh, seven under. He is the highest priced player at 6900 so he is barely outside of that 7000 range. But he... He is one name I think has a chance to actually make the cut and give me something. And then another name, the uh, the legendary bloodline of Sam Saunders. He is a guy who finished tied for 33rd last week, 8-under. And if I'm not mistaken, he did really well here last year as well. Yeah, 8th place a year ago. He's okay. another guy, if you do first-round leaders, he ten- he tends to pop sometimes in the first round. Uh, in the first round. So you can take a look there. Um, 
Sam Saunders can be a little popular too for punt plays. So. Of course. I think everybody, I think everybody loves the Arnold Palmer, Arnold Palmer uh, nephew narrative, and he's good enough that you know he can he can play there as well. Uh, really, the only guy that I kind of even marked for me was uh, Robert Garrigus, and again, he tends to be a little bit on the risky side. But when I look at the stats, seventh in approach, uh, he can score a little bit. He can also get a few bogeys, so that is always a slight concern for me. But um, he's got a decent pass here. He's got he was runner-up back in 2012, I believe. Yep, 2012, a couple other top 20s. I don't mind him, but again, I, I personally don't see myself coming into the 6K range just because I think there's enough values in the 7K, and I'm not fully convinced that the 9 and 8K golfers are any better than the 7K golfers. So I'll just play the 7K golfers and fit in Rose or somebody else at the top and move on from there. Okay, so the other names I have in this list uh... – this group, honestly, uh, just talk me off the ledge with these guys is really what I'm asking you to do because I know none of them really make make sense. But uh, Ben Crane, I just love Ben Crane. I hopefully you've seen the Golf Boys videos, uh, the music videos that Ricky and have you seen these? Baba, it's been a while since I've seen them, but yes, I do remember okay. those. So Ben Crane has some really just odd good golf videos out there. So regardless of form and or tournament history, he's a guy I like to play. Um, Jim Herman, as I mentioned, uh, he's a UC guy. I am a University of Cincinnati fan. I actually graduated from Northern Kentucky University, wait, wait, but a UC he, guy. So, who's he Jim Herman. Oh, Jim Herman. Okay, I mean, he's yeah. uh, he's not necessarily a guy I'm thinking is a good play, but I like to play him. He's he's had some success, uh, you know. I think maybe once or twice in some in some tournament finishes. I love me some Johnson Wagner. I liked him better when he had the mustache, but obviously a cheap play. <laughs> uh, Sang Moon Bay. I really just like him because he's in the videos with the golf boys. And the really? last guy, well, he wasn't really in it, but he is in it because they, they took a vacay to Sang Moon Bay is part, oh, one of the, part of one of the songs. Yeah, okay. And then uh, the last guy, a former major champion, Mike Weir, um, he's, it's been so long since he's done anything. But the truth of the matter is, while I am a very proud American, I love taking fishing trips to Canada. And so I always like to get a little taste of those Canadians when I can. I'm going to talk you off Mike Weir. Um, it makes sense. He hasn't been good in years. He only has one made cut since 20, you know, started this calendar year 2015. And that was 73rd last year at Corrales, the Punta Cana. It was the alternate event to the uh, match play event. So do not play Mike Weir. Johnson, Done. Johnson Wagner, very bad form. But when I looked up, like, the putting on Bermuda, he's he was oh, – let, let me see if I can find him real quick. Yeah. Um, top 10, whether it's the last four rounds or last 50 rounds, he's top 10 putting on Bermuda. So that's a that's a dart throw, but I don't mind that. That, one, that was one I had to do a little more research on. Don't like the form, but if you think he can putt well, he loves putting on Bermuda. He makes some sense simply for that reason. Any names? I know you said not really. And, and look, I mean, this is a list where I, I – in. In some tournaments, I will try to play two of these $10,000 guys, and you've got to dig into this this tier. I don't really think that's my strategy this week. There's there's nobody else you're looking at in this this tier, is there? No, no, again, I just, I'm more of a, uh, there, for me, there's no need to go below 7K. So that's, I mean, I'm comfortable with a lot of these 7K guys, and I just don't really want to venture into the, oh, let's play Rose and Rom and figure and play some of these 6K guys. I just... Not my style this week. All right, so let's talk a little bit about lineup construction as we finish uh, this inaugural podcast here. 
is this a week? Obviously, it's not a week where you're going multiple guys in the ten thousand tiers. Are you gonna? Tr- is do you see more logic in some high tier guys and some seven thousand tier guys, or trying to fit most of the guys in the eight thousand or so range? Uh, what is there a particular concept of lineup construction without necessarily saying this guy, that guy? I mean, for me, it's just. I'm not going below 7K. I want I want a top guy, whoever it is that's your favorite in the upper tier. For me, it's Rose. And then I'm just kind of building my lineup in the 8K and 7K range, depending, again, how much you like the 8Ks. I think there's a lot of value in that mid to upper 7K range, so that's where I'm building a lot of my lineups at and playing with Rose and just kind of moving on from there. Um, I, think there's an, I think there's some lower 7K guys who – are a little bit riskier, but this is the exact tournament to take a chance on. If you wanted to play like a Rose or a Rom or Howell and pair them up with Phil or whoever your favorite 9K guy is and go from there. This week, as well as most weeks, would you look at play, starting your lineup construction uh, by putting Rose and or whoever you like in that top tier in first and then building? Or um, do you typically like to go around that medium price and then build a lineup from there and see, you know, who you like below the medium price and then who that allows you to get higher. Is, is there one strategy to just uh, an in general lineup set? Yeah, I tend to, I tend to figure out who which top guy I like the best. If there's any, I mean, there's some weeks where I'm like, you know what? I don't like anybody in the 10 K range. I think the nine K is just as good. So I, I tend to start at the top and then I also tend to look at the bottom, especially on a site like a uh, fantasy draft where I'd like to try to figure out, okay, who's the cheapest golfer that I think could do okay, and if they don't, then i drop his score. So I tend to look top and bottom first, and then from there start uh, figuring out the mid- middle guys along the way. All right, Skeeter, any uh, final thoughts before we wrap up our first uh, go-around here on the My Fantasy Fix Golf DFS podcast? I don't think so. Um, I think next week we're going to have to come ready with our Royal Rumble predictions since uh, it'll be uh, – this will be the last uh, podcast before the Royal Rumble. I will, without a doubt, be ready for that. I will also try not to bring up any NXT matches and uh, catch you off guard. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I, yeah, I, 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 <laughs> I follow Raw. I follow SmackDown. I don't follow NXT. You know, it's not that I don't want to. Just you know, limited time of the day. Got to cut something out, and it tends to be the one. Yeah, you got me on air one day uh, during the season with that, and I was like, oh, sorry, I don't know on that one. Yeah, I asked you about it. It was, uh, it was whatever. I think maybe the main event of the uh, the NXT pay per view before the uh, before the SummerSlam, and you, you 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 responded with nothing. I'm like. Well, I, I guess that was a swing and a missed question as well. That's so right. I, will, I, I will try not to uh, to throw you any of those curveballs next no, week. No, no. Hey, we like curveballs. Um, I guess real quick, since we're both football guys, who who wins who wins the conference championships? I have been absolutely five hundred on my picks so far this uh, year. I tried going with some some low, uh, trying to go away from the chalk, and it did not work out. It worked out decently last week. It didn't work out so much this week. So. Uh, right now, I'm going to tell you that it's Saints Patriots. Ooh. I, I'm but go, I'm, if it's, I'm, if it's I'm the go, other way, I'm not going to be shocked. Yeah, I'm going. I'm going Saints Chiefs. Um, I tend to think I tend to think Rams Saints will be a lower scoring game. Um, early indications though are Arrowhead might be like below zero, which could limit Damn some that. of the scoring. So that, that, that could favor ch- the Patriots. Honestly, I mean they're more akin to playing in that than the Chiefs are. That's true. Um, 
But, I mean, I don't know. I, I think weather can also be a little bit overblown in these games. I mean, if it's so cold, you know, that some guys are, are I don't want to say afraid, but, you know, it, it hurts your hands a little worse, man, when you're, you're in the trenches and it's freezing cold. That hurts the, the extremities a little bit. But I sometimes think weather gets a little bit blown out of proportion. I To a degree, yes. I, you know... I, I tend to avoid it sometimes if there's viable alternatives, which I think maybe is a difference, or I don't know. You know, I don't know on that one. But, yeah, we could see a lot of running in Kansas City, which, by the way, both teams could run the ball, so that could be an interesting contrast of styles. Yes, it will be. I think I think they'll both be really good games. I mean, I think we get, we're, we're in for some great football, and uh, I do uh, certainly anticipate spending a day full of eating and drinking and being merry and – Hopefully, uh, I've got some good one and done, you know, use them and lose them term, uh, teams still alive. So hopefully watching some good fantasy football scores and hopefully watching some fantasy golf scores that are going to be finishing during football instead of before, I suppose, this weekend yeah, or but, after, I should say. Yeah, it's going to be fun flipping between uh, the NFC Championship game and Desert Classic if you got a live lineup going into Sunday. So that could be Well, fun. I'll be over at the uh, Claskins household, so I doubt oh. uh, I'll have to go to the basement to flip channels. Or, or uh, download like the NBC Sports app. I think you can watch it on that. I have I have definitely watched some golf at work before too. <laughs> That's good. That's you know I I don't have that luxury. I'm a teacher, so I'd probably get busted if I was all of a sudden supposed to be teaching class and all of a sudden I'm looking up uh, Phil Mickelson for birdie on the 13th hole. In the first yeah, it was round. massive. It was they massive might they might frown upon that a little bit. Well, we'll we'll have to work on that. Maybe I'll uh, I'll I'll send you an emergency. Uh... <laughs> emergency leaving reason to leave when it's master's week when we get into april but uh skeeter it's been a lot of fun uh certainly look forward to doing it next week and uh i uh yeah i appreciate you having me on we're gonna have a lot of fun doing this i'm looking forward to digesting what we've just gone through and uh probably adjusting some of my lineups i said earlier but uh good luck to you this week good luck to everybody and uh thank you everyone for for listening we hope we can help you out and we certainly hope you uh join us again next week